Hi, I'm Linda C. And uh, uh, I'm from the valley, my, my home, so don't hold that against me. <laughs> my home meetings are Saturday 7.30 a.m. and Sunday 7.30 so the Saturday meeting is in Burbank, Sunday meeting 7.30 is in Studio City and almost most of us who go to the Saturday meeting, we all go to the Sunday morning Studio City meeting so I mean you don't, I, I don't see my family twice a week, I don't know about you so they are my families um, I'm going to, uh, I took a couple of pictures before I actually, before I became really heavy and uh, uh, one, when I got heavy right before I came to the program, I'm going to circulate the pictures. Um, um, to qualify, I came to the program in April uh, 2012. I got abstinent a month later uh, in May, on May 16th. And then I lost my abstinence a couple of times. And then five years ago, I got abstinent again. Uh, I am extremely grateful for this program. Um, I was not huge, but I was definitely overweight, as you can see in the picture. I was probably like 20, 25 pounds bigger than now. Um, ah, where do I begin? Um, I, growing up, I was not happy, as you can see, and I want to blame American food for my weight. <laughs> but uh, if I go to any Korean business meeting, I was the only overweight Korean woman. I could not figure out, I mean, it's, I felt like, seriously, I felt like a minority among minorities. <laughs> like, when we all came through, like, you know, Mayor Bradley Airport, it, se it seemed like everyone else got a memo, like, how to live in a America but stay thin like Koreans but I didn't get that memo uh, so uh, uh, it was so frustrating and uh, I did I did well in, in a lot of other departments in my life but food I got pregnant really late in my life I'm a late boomer um, Originally, I came to this country to go to graduate school in the 80s, and then I stayed, and then I partied, and then I went to another graduate school, and uh, I got married when I was 35. I had my first baby when I was 39, and ever since then, as you could see, I couldn't lose the last 20, 25 pounds. And uh, when I complained about my weight, at that time, who was my doctor said, if you eat one slice of bread less each day, that's 100 calories, you can lose 10 pounds in a year. I'm like, 10 pounds? I mean, I would have taken gladly 5 pounds. 10 pounds a year, it, you know, theoretically sounded great, but of course I couldn't even lose 2 pounds. Um, my main addiction is uh, sugar and even though I was not big, I was constantly eating sugar. Uh, what brought me to the program was I became pre-diabetic, my triglyceride level was off the chart, my numbers started becoming really bad. So I came to the program. Uh, I, before that, I was actually in another program because, uh, because of an um, alcoholic member in my family. I was in that program for 10 years, 
and then I started seeing some fellows there like drastically losing weight like a human transformer like literally right in front of my eyes I'm like how do you do that and I noticed that they ate differently so I asked them and they brought me to OA at the very beginning, I didn't find a way very um, user-friendly <laughs> compared, to, <laughs> compared to other programs. Like, you know, like you go to other like AA or Ellen, or like 10 people come and invite you to their birthdays and anniversaries, baby showers, and everybody wants to be your sponsor here. I couldn't even find a sponsor first a few uh, weeks. And then I met a very nice lady and I called her every day and she helped me to get oxygen from sugar and sugar was my true love since I was very young and um, I could not believe any human could stop eating chocolate I mean I you know I <laughs> just I, it was such a miracle and torture of abstinence was very exciting I like within six months I immediately lost 20 pounds and uh, I could start shopping at, um, you know, J. Crew or Forever 21 with my teenage daughter. And that was just like so exciting. Uh, but what really changed was, uh, I mean, I think OA is such a best kept secret. I came here to lose weight. And what I got was a uh, um, complete shift in how I. Uh, do my life business, how I run my professional career, how I uh, stay married to my husband who went through a very challenging program, how I uh, interact with my daughter who is 19 years old. So the last seven years has been extremely, um, I, I w I've been just so blessed. I mean so many good things happened and challenging things too. but. I, you know, without a way, I don't know how I would ever manage my life, but <laughs> I, I, it, it's interesting. I only lost like 25 pounds, but what really um, OA did was completely changed my career. I, um, uh, I, what you see is like basically like Linda 2.0. I, <laughs> it's a, it's a really improved version who runs and manages life very differently. And um, I was always a very, very selfish person. I was the first daughter, first granddaughter, uh, and I was semi-smart when I was a kid, and uh, I was always like the center of attention. I did really well in college. I came here with a full scholarship. I thought I was really a smart chef. And, uh, and, oh, I forgot. <laughs> uh, and, and yet, I couldn't even eat one less uh, bread. Um, but after I got abstinent, after I got abstinent in 2012, a lot of strange things started happening. I, um, I started exercising. I never exercised. Now, um, 
I take like spin classes about three times a week. I go hiking on weekends. Um, I, uh, you know, I used to huff and puff in the spin class. Now I bike really fast, faster than, you know, some young people. And, um, and then that physical recovery really changed my work product. And I'm a desk jockey. What I do is a lot of research and writing arguing and uh, mostly arguing over money and, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, my work product got really better and my supervisor at that time a couple of years later she told me you know your work was always good but you've been really thriving last few years and um, um, and um, I, um, I mean, my professional career is a really big portion of my life. I work long hours. When I'm not working, I uh, speak, I write, and network, and schmooze, and it's just a, it's just a big portion of my life. And um, I, um, I was a, my title at job was an associate, and I was an associate, you know, God knows how long. And it started really bothering me that uh, I do such a good work and my title was associate. And I was bitching and moaning about it. And my sponsor at that time, um, she didn't have a college degree. And that woman changed my life. She said, uh, she was a, a waitress at the Jewish deli. She said, honey, I don't have all these fancy degrees that you have, but can you just go to work and be of service? And ever since then, I really started putting my head down, stopped looking at how much money other people are making, how many hours they are billing, who is sleeping with whom, just completely, like, you know, just completely tune out and really try to be of service to my clients and my um, employees. And out of the blue last year, they offered me equity partnership. So I am a business owner now. Uh, and I used to tell them that, you know, being an associate in my 50s, it's like a 50-year-old version. I said, can you just change my title? And uh, during my review a couple of years ago, and one of the partners was like, yeah, that's easy. It cost us $20 to change your title. What title would you like to have? <laughs> I said, um, how about senior counter? And I said, go ahead and order it, you know, tell all this manager. So that was my title until January this year. And then now I became um, a equity partner. Uh, my husband, who is a sober colleague, he lost his job a few years ago. Before he lost his job, um, we both had a good job. We always made a decent money, but uh, we didn't know. Uh, how much was coming and going. We just like, we hired people to drive our daughter, we hired people to do this, and literally, like, we hired everybody to do something for us. And uh, when he lost his job, uh, we had to look at our financial inventory and do the fourth step. And in fact, we sought outside the help and we started going to like weekly program for 12 weeks. And now we have a um, monthly budget meeting, and uh, it doesn't even bother us. It became second nature, and we want to know how much money is there, uh, which debt needs to be paid first, and where to invest. And once I start paying attention to my 
uh, debits and credits, suddenly out of the blue, money started coming in. And um, I mean, it was ridiculous. Like one day we would get like $20,000 IRS check tax refund. And then the next day I would even get a small check. Like I guess my mother had a lot of mileage before she died and like, Asiana and Korean Air started the class section and they would send me like, you know, $80. I mean, money was just coming in out of nowhere. Um, it was the strangest thing. And uh, so we do not have a financial problem a a anymore. In fact, this year has been the most profitable year ever. Uh, and my daughter, oh, this is a big one. As a Korean mother, the minute I got pregnant, my goal was how to send my daughter to an Ivy League school or Stanford. <laughs> and totally by coincidence, I mean, my husband and I are like above average smart, but we are not highly gifted. But my daughter, when she was five, we got her tested so that we can send her to a highly gifted school. And her IQ was off the charts. So this was just another feather on my head, like, oh, my daughter is highly gifted. Gifted, you know, she goes to Mormon, you know. So, in fact, I ran into my ex-boyfriend in Cork uh, Town one day, and then came back and told my husband, "Oh, I ran into so and so, uh, my ex-boyfriend." And the first thing my husband said was, "Did you tell him that our daughter goes to Mormon?" <laughs> so that's how important it was for us. And then my daughter kept on going to highly gifted school, and then she didn't get into any of her, the college she wanted. And not only the, her first choice, which was UCLA or, and then Berkeley, she didn't even get into schools that we thought were uh, safety schools. I was like, how could this happen? I said, I came to this country with, without speaking English, and the UCSB gave me full scholarship. That was a party school. What happened? <laughs> uh, I mean, just thinking about it, really, <laughs> my blood pressure goes up. And, uh, and I had to do a lot of programs, just like my husband's unemployment. Um, how much time do I have? Oh wow, that's a, that's a lot of time. Okay, so I had to do, I mean, this was a real, I mean, it may sound like a real first world pro, uh, problem, but look at the moms who are going to jail. I mean, this is a serious deal right now. Uh, so, you know, I, uh, again, here I was, you know, I compared with my uh, professional Korean working mother, uh, their friends and their kids. I just got a text from a friend of mine who's an accountant and she said her son got accepted to Princeton. He was the first kid who got accepted to Princeton from public school in Calabasas. And then she just texted me. Her second kid got early admission to Stanford. It's like here again, I didn't get the memo that every Korean mother got. I mean, it's like why can I be a type of mom like had a Korean mom, you know, I just cannot even get, I, when my daughter didn't get into good school, I felt like the universe gave me a big report card with the C minus, like, yeah, 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 you may be thriving in your professional career, but something is falling through the crack, look what you did, you were too busy schmoozing and doing, you know, all these things, taking care of your career, and your daughter fell through the crack. 
So I had to do a lot of a program, and then, in fact, I was bitching about the situation, my husband, my daughter, and then I ran into a fellow a few years ago in OA birthday, and he said, Linda, have you considered going to Eleanor meetings? And I'm like, I was in Eleanor for 10 years. Don't tell me to go back to Eleanor again. <laughs> anyway, I did go back to uh, Eleanor a, a little bit, not, not too much, but I really <laughs> worked the program around the situation and uh, everything worked out. My husband started working at home and he works for like young guys or so pre- practitioners uh, in Beverly Hills who do not have a mentor like guys who open their practice when they are still young and my husband goes to rights and concerts and he's thriving. This guy's like totally worship him you know they, when they have a big potential client they invite my husband you know hoping to close the deal and my husband buys a lot of the plants and flowers that he enjoys he said I never ever want to go back to a high-rise building and uh, um, so he's happy and my daughter out of the blue instead of going to a couple of schools that, that she got accepted she decided to go to Santa Monica City College I don't know any Korean mother, professional mother whose kid goes to community college this was totally new to me but it was such a blessing um, it's a free, our cash flow is so good and, uh, and uh, I didn't spend a lot of time when she was young because I was working and now we hang out, she takes the big blue bus from Santa Monica to Beverly Hills I work out at the gym and we need that Pico and Beverly and then you know we go to eat nice food you know she and I like uh, Persian food so we go to one Persian place and then next day we go to um, Thai place and her friends love me and in fact I mean I came to this country basically to run away from my mother if you had seen my mother you would have run away too um, but my daughter and I are like real tight and she even posted my pictures when I do silly things or when I say something with a heavy accent she posted on I don't know Snapchat or Instagram and they all laughed their ass off at my expense and they just, she said, my, my daughter says that they actually have a fan club and uh, this is like so weird like it is so different from the kind of relationship I had with my mother anyway so this year after working the program I really got into the spiritual aspect of the program and I experienced the unprecedented level of freedom in my life freedom from where my daughter is going to go to school freedom from uh, is my husband going to get a job freedom from will they ever make me a partner freedom from you know why other Korean moms kids went to better school all that stuff just really a lot of serenity this year and I got to do a lot of things in my bucket list one of the things I wanted to do was go to real redneck AA meeting in deep south and uh, ever since I saw the movie Deliverance when I first came to this country I wanted to do that and then I heard on podcast that the, 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 the you know the Whiteson Family's Museum is fabulous so my husband and I went to Arkansas we went to the museum and while my husband was obsessing over 
you know, the current politics and watching MSNBC in the hotel. I went to an AA meeting in Vancouver, Arkansas, and, and uh, it was so much fun. They loved me. They asked me how long I was staying. They asked me to come back the next day. Uh, it was so, so much fun. And then um, I also went to Korea for a business trip, but after that, I went to, I always wanted to go to like southern coast in Korea, but I never been, I had never been there. So I went there my, by myself. I went to a temple and I stayed in a temple, Buddhist temple in a remote island. And that was just fabulous. And then I had to wake up at 3.30 in the morning and do this kneeling down, bowing 108 times. I forgot there was a word for it. Uh, um, and I thought I would have a very like nirvana. Instead, I started sobbing uncontrollably when I was uh, doing the 100 and bows. And I think that physical level of uh, meditation really um, sort of opened my heart. And uh, I was always very unhappy with my parents. Like, I thought that the casting director made a mistake when I grew up. I mean, I, I read a book when I was a teenager in Korea. I don't know if it was like uh, Woody Allen's book or the Philip Roth's book, but there was a sentence that says, uh, um, if, uh, if I leave the other side of the Brooklyn Bridge and if my mother is not some, if my mother was a going mother who doesn't call me Schlemiel, my life would be better, something like that. And I could totally relate to that. If I, I felt like a Brooklyn guy who who had a like, you know, nagging mother. And, uh, and uh, I had so much pain about my parents' unhappy marriage when I was a child. And then I had the tea with this uh, Buddhist nun. And um, what she said was that, I don't know if it is true, and I, we will never know, our spirit chooses the place where we want to land. And at first I'm like, that can be right. If I could pick and choose, I could have picked the like, Grace Kelly or Jackie Onassis as my mother. Why? And, and, and then the more I think about it, there was some merit to it. It was a new pair of glasses. My parents had a lot of flaws, but they really let me, to, uh, let me thrive in my life. They never treated me like uh, some other Korean girl. I never was expected to go to college and marry a husband and you know, marry a man who works at Samsung or LG or Hyundai or whatever. I was always treated differently, like I was supposed to do something different. And, um, and, and then when I went to my second graduate school, they pay for it, and they are not even rich. I mean, if my daughter comes and says, Mom, I want to go to graduate school in France, I don't like America, uh, and I'm going to go to graduate school and take the exam and get licensed, I would say, you know, oh, that sounds great. You do it with your own money. But my parents didn't do that. So I have a whole new appreciation for my family, and that's all I have to share. Thank you. This is the time for questions. <coughs> Excuse me. Questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible in the OA podcast.
Thank you for asking the question. The question is how uh, abstinence from sugar affected me and how I cope with uh, people having sugar around me. I actually had to cold turkey quit sugar, but I had a really hard time. I called that uh, fellow every day and it took me about a week. And when I stopped it, it was really hard. But all I could do is just to work every day, go to a lot of meetings, call that lady every day and actually I learned from another program you write down the date in your 12 STEM program when I actually tried to stop smoking and went to another program they told me to write down the date I stopped smoking and then whenever I want to smoke and smoke again I really erase the date and put the date so I bought the OA 12 and 12 book I wrote down that my uh, abstinence day which was May 16, 2012 and then, uh, and, and I think it was so exciting for me to be released from sugar. I think it was just a grace. I really don't know how it happened. But the weird thing about sugar is that later I found out that I was eating uh, things like, you know, salmon with the teriyaki sauce or hot chocolate. Those things don't bother me for some reason. So, and then I met some guy with, who called himself vegan, B-E-E-Vegan. He, uh, he doesn't eat a lot of things, but he eats honey. And then my relationship with the sugar evolved and now I only don't need recreational sugar but if I put one teaspoon of a co uh, sugar in the coffee, nothing happens. So my abstinence right now is just a um, free, uh, no, abstinence from compulsive eating three meals a day, no food after dinner, kitchen is closed and I cannot eat something that has a gluten, dairy and sugar. If those three are mixed, I cannot eat, but I can put one teaspoon of sugar in my coffee or tea and nothing happens. And even that, I really struggled how to approach the topic with my sponsor because I felt like I was trying to find a loophole and maybe I was, but in reality, it's for some reason, it's just the sugar alone doesn't uh, trigger. It's the texture and the density, the chewiness uh, and the creaminess, fat and sugar combined, that just creates the trifecta effect for me. So my abstinence is with the sugar is uh, not as strict as it was. And so far it's okay, but I know, as they say, my abstinence can kill you and your abstinence can kill me. You know, it may not work for you, but for me, that's uh, that's okay. Yeah. Do you have daily practice? What do you do, and are you still sponsored? You know, a lot of contract Yeah, uh, my daily practice is uh, semi-rigid. Uh, I call my sponsor every day at 8 a.m., and she gives me undivided 15 minutes of attention. She doesn't like do the dishes and have a headphone or anything. She doesn't drive, but she just gives me complete 15 minutes of attention. Uh, I do very, uh, so the morning is a prayer, meditation, 
calling my sponsor at A and we don't talk about what's going on. I have to read the what I wrote the night before and at night uh, I read one paragraph from whatever book we do. Uh, I read the one paragraph, I write about it usually at least one to two pages and then we do very extensive but tense step uh, and asking all the questions in the book, big book, were you resentful, were you fearful, what could I have done better, uh, abstinence, exercise, service, what, you know, it has uh, 25 questions, so if you want to get the 25 questions, I would be happy to email you and I do that every day, then I read and write, so it takes a lot of time, uh, but my life is completely different and actually the more I do it, uh, the more interesting it gets and uh, uh, my sponsor and some people I listen to, they call themselves Jew Buddhist, Jewish Buddhist so uh, uh, I listen to a lot of uh, uh, spiritual podcasts and we talk about it but I don't, she is not the kind of a sponsor who just uh, wants to talk about it I have to read what I wrote and God bless her uh, uh, because she treats me as a sponsor, not some kind of a body I really, really stick to the program and, um, and uh, meditation I use sometimes uh, um, all sorts of uh, podcasts uh, for meditation and um, that's about okay. it, yeah. Yeah. So do you yeah, I right now I don't have a sponsee, but in the past I had uh, quite a few sponsees, but a lot of times when I tell them that they need to do the 10th step and call me every day at the same time, uh, and a lot of them just disappear. Uh, uh, and so one lady stuck around for a long time and she recently... Uh, she just, uh, we worked for a while and she just couldn't do the drill, yeah. So, oh, okay, still more time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you incorporate service into your program? So, service is a big shift for me. I have at least one commitment uh, in one of my programs, but I, he, 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 he here is what happened. I was always a few minutes late at the 7.30 Burbank meeting and I wanted to change that so I agreed to make coffee and in order to make coffee you have to be there at 6.30 a.m. so I did that for a year and uh, if you know me I don't do anything for free let alone, <laughs> let alone, and in order to get there at 6.30, you have to get up at like 5.30, 5.45. So, so things like that, and now uh, I, the service commitment, I just have a one commitment, but I try to find opportunity wherever I go. If I go to Starbucks and see dirty trash in the bathroom, I pick up the trash. Uh, I, a lot of times I go down to my office near here Saturday just to uh, clean my desk and catch up and uh, there's nobody there and I clean the refrigerators and, and uh, you know, things like that and, uh, and so it, it, it just uh, trying to find a creative way to be of service, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Thank you. Um, so, you just sound really strong this morning. And I know that, you know, this too shall pass. So, what do you do when it passes? And how do you maintain that conscious contact with it? I mean, gave us several things to do. You know, sometimes it just, the fear is so strong that the guy sounds like Pollyanna. Yeah. So, question is, uh, what do I do if uh, when my strong conscious contact with the God is not as robust as it should be or could be? Uh, there were times when I just freaked out, even during the abstinence. In fact, I, my food plan changed several times. At one time, I was trying uh, the protein and vegetable diet with no carbs and I absolutely freaked out and I called my nutritionist she said that don't you know that carbs are antidepressant if you don't eat carbs of course you get depressed I'm like I didn't know that no wonder so many away people are like carb junkies but, so, uh, uh, but things like that episodes like that one time I did a yoga um, at the gym next door and I came to my office and I just like freaked out. I don't think I had the stroke, but it just uh, like lost the consciousness. I woke up at 7.30 at night and it was pitch dark outside. I must have slept or unconscious for like several hours. Fortunately, no one came to my office. Uh, things like that. And I noticed that a lot of times uh, that happens when I come back from vacation. Because uh, when I want to go on a vacation, the plan and catch up with the work, and then you have a great time in vacation, you come back to reality with the work, bosses, you know, clients, and uh, you know. So uh, it happens, uh, you know, of course. And uh, all I can do is just uh, doing the drill and going to the meetings and. Uh, try to find the spiritual book that will suit the purpose. Last night I actually freaked out because I had my first uh, partner's meeting and it's my very first meeting and this was like such a freak show. You, you sit around in a room and talk about what you are worth. I'm, t I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not kidding. How much you should be get? I mean, it is such a bizarre, you know, capitalistic thing, uh, but I had to endure, and I couldn't sleep last night. It was so uncomfortable to tell somebody that you don't deserve what you get, and no one would do it. And I had to tell him in a nice way, and of course he, you know, um, was so upset at me, and he said, stop, stop, you know, insulting me. But I learned in this program to speak the truth. Mean what you say, say what you mean, but don't say it mean. So, yeah, I do freak out, but they do, the freaking out too passes, so yeah. <laughs> you can start. <laughs> Let's start voting about the location.